Imagine not knowing what your income would be each week. Financial planning would be a nightmare. Almost 90% of Vision's income is free will donations. When supporters commit to monthly giving, it provides greater certainty when budgeting for regular expenses and weighing up new opportunities that arise. Knowing we can rely on regular gifts each month takes some of the guesswork out of operating a faith ministry. Monthly givers who share our mission are called Visionary Extra Mile Partners. And right now, you're invited to join this growing group of faithful supporters. The amount of your tax-deductible monthly gift is completely up to you. What is most important is knowing that you are standing with us to reach Australia for the gospel. Click the banner at vision.org.au or in the Vision app to find out more about becoming a Visionary Extra Mile Partner. It only takes a few minutes, but will have an eternal impact. Vision. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Let's take in an opportunity to cast our minds back to moments in history and talk about the Christian presence. Now, when I say cast our minds back in history, let's take us back into Australia's wars, and particularly if we were getting a focus on World War One. A wonderful guest to welcome along today, Mike Spencer, who is the author of the Australian Christian history book called One People, One Destiny, A Christian History of Australia. And there are so many stories to tell. Let me encourage you to get a hold of that book so that you can explore those stories for yourself. But as we get a bit of a focus on World War One, a special welcome back to 2020 to you, Mike Spencer. Thanks, Neil. It's really good to be here as usual. Mike, part of your writings, Australian Christians were quick to volunteer for military service. Estimated that evangelical churches claimed 40 to 45% of Australia's population on the eve of war. So we can assume that many of those Christians who went off to war in World War I were in fact young Christian men and women. That sits pretty solidly with history, doesn't it? Yes, it does, and, and it's often not realised that there, in fact, were many godly diggers in the First World War. We hear a lot about the larrikins and the, and the trouble they caused, but it's not generally realised that, that there was a lot of Christian presence in the war, and, and Christians, um, especially evangelical Christians, volunteered to take part. They wanted, they wanted to sacrifice for their country. They believed that they were sacrificing for their country. They also wanted to be able to minister to other men in the in the services too. And when you have diggers going off to war, and we know as we cast our minds back to the tragedy that was World War I, so many killed, so many wounded. In fact, as I understand it, 50,000 Australians who served at Gallipoli and over half of, well, as many as half of those were wounded, uh, almost 8,000 killed. Diggers going off to war who were young Christian men, uh, these were able to process the tragedy of what they were seeing perhaps more readily because of their sound Christian foundations. Yes, certainly they were. I mean, you get men like like John Ridley, of course, who later became a well-loved Baptist evangelist, and he was... He was seriously wounded, but he led many, many, many diggers to the Lord. He kept the bright light shining. And John Ridley, of course, uh, when he was a preacher, 
uh, in Sydney uh, had tremendous effects, uh, and even though he was suffering what we'd call post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes, he did. He, he, um, he of course, was influential in the, in the inspiration which uh, Arthur Stace found to write the word eternity 500,000 times on the streets of Sydney over a period of 35 years. It was Ridley who put the, put the thought of eternity into his mind, and, and that was Arthur Stace's mission. Let's continue some thoughts about World War One, because there were some great characters in World War One who were Christian heroes. In fact, they weren't just Christian heroes, they were Australian heroes. The names like Fighting Mackenzie. Yes, Fighting Mac Mackenzie was a legend because of his uh, because of his physical strength, because he was a man's man. He was very, very popular, and he his love for the diggers was so evident that he actually won up to 3,000 souls to Christ. And he also buried hundreds of his boys with his own hands. And when the boys begged him not to expose himself unnecessarily, he replied, Boys, I've preached to you and I've prayed for you. And do you think I'm afraid to die with you? And... uh for that, he was recommended, well, he would have been recommended for the Victoria Cross, except the officers who would have recommended him sadly died. So he never received that, that medal. And Mike, on returning from war and paraded through the streets of Sydney, uh, the sorts of accolades for someone like Fighting Mackenzie just raised him in the public perception as being one of the most important Australians. Uh, he really was a true hero. Yes, and when he, when he came back in Melbourne's exhibition building, um, 7,000 people crowded in to, for his welcome home and hundreds were turned away. But, but Mackenzie remained very humble. He did not take any of the credit for himself. He just directed it back to his Lord and Saviour. He said, I've I was called to serve God. I was called to serve my Lord and Saviour, and that's what I've done. It's nothing to do with me. Do you think that there might have been something typical about fighting Mac that might have characterised many of those diggers that went off to war, given that he had that reputation for rowdiness and frequent punch-ups before he was miraculously converted to Christianity at the age of 17? And there was a certain, that larrikinism, that sort of, you know, out there and take on the world Aussie. Do you think that might have characterised not only Aussies but New Zealanders as well? Yes, I think definitely. He he was a man's man. He he organised sporting contests. He was a boxer. He used to box, do boxing, and for all these things, he was he was probably a a Christian American, you might say, perhaps. And when we talk about world wars and World War One, and of course Anzac Day, our major day of commemoration. Australian and New Zealand Army Corps. Uh, there's even this real historical input into the way that we do Anzac Day today, even the way that Anzac services are conducted. And that all comes back to a clergyman, an Anglican clergyman named Canon David Garland, another significant figure in our history. Yes, after Gallipoli and the tragedy of that, that event, and there was a desire to remember to remember what the diggers had done. And so Canon uh, Garland spearheaded the move to have April the 25th. Of course, that's the day that the troops landed on Anzac Cove. And he wanted to set that aside as a day of remembrance, a Memorial Day, a Christian Memorial Day. 
And some of those sayings that we say on Anzac Day, those ones that, uh, you know, greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friend. They would have come from those early plans, those early liturgies that were put in place to do the commemoration for Anzac Day. And for the rest of the population, they might not necessarily get it. They think that that is something that applies to the diggers who were at war for their nation and yet maybe not even uh, appreciating the connection there to Jesus and his words. Yes, absolutely. Greater love has no man than this, as you say, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And um, or the, the service was was taken over, you might say, by the Return Services League back in the 1930s. But uh, the Christian elements of the service are still very strongly retained today. And if we're talking little vignettes of history around world wars and a focus on World War One, you cannot go past the magnificence of what happened on the day when those 800 light horsemen charged on Beersheba. That's another significant uh, spot on Australia's history which ought not to go unmentioned. Definitely, and uh, we know that the, that particular victory at Beersheba opened the door to the liberation of Jerusalem and ultimately the creation of the State of Israel. Now, I, we, we don't want to necessarily play down the contributions that the British and New Zealanders also made there too. It wasn't just an Australian thing. Uh, so there were others involved too, but definitely that charge had a heroism to it. It was the last great cavalry charge and it had a heroism to it. And it's interesting that in the days... Around about that time, and especially in the time lead, days leading up to the liberation of Jerusalem, that that many servicemen, both on our side and on, and on the the um, enemy's side, actually had visions, heavenly visions of angels and other things. Okay, well, I want to point people to the book that is called One People, One Destiny, A Christian History of Australia. The author of that book is Mike Spencer, and Mike has a website. You can get a hold of his book there on that website, mikespencer.com.au. You can also get a hold of the book at Vision Store. Uh, www.vision.org.au and there's a link there to Vision Store. It is an outstanding book. It's a wonderful work. It's appropriate for adult reading as well as for students to read in schools. And Mike, uh, it is a tremendous book. Great to be able to reflect on just some of those highlights that you've put in place uh, for us to remember the world wars and our Christian history. Mike Spencer, thanks for being with us once again today on 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.